Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, verses 29 to 42. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the chosen one. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What was it about Jesus? There must have been something about him, for the second scripture lesson from the Gospel of John describes the the sacred moment when John the Baptist recognized him and greets him. What we've just read is the Messiah's first public appearance in the Gospel of John. So far as we know from the Gospel of John, John the Baptist and Jesus have never met. However, John knew that it was his job to prepare the way for the Messiah, only how would John recognize him? What was it about Jesus? God provided John no physical description, so how did John know that it was him? I imagine John the Baptist standing there at the riverside like a limo driver waiting at the airport trying to identify someone he's never met. How would John know that it was Jesus? Was Jesus wearing a name tag? No. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me said, he on whom you see the Spirit descend is the one 
There was something about him. There was something about Jesus that set him apart from all those who crowded around John the Baptist at the riverside. For John the Baptist knew that it was him right away saying, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Clearly, there was something about Jesus. However, That's not a subject worth preaching a sermon on. We all know that there was something about Jesus that was special. But if there was also something special about John. Today I ask you to think about what it was about John the Baptist with me. For in recognizing Jesus and calling him by name, identifying him as the Lamb of God, John demonstrates a skill that is in short supply in our world today. How many are walking around not recognized but ignored? How many are never called by name but are constantly overlooked? How many are not identified correctly but misunderstood? As our second scripture lesson describes how John the Baptist welcomed Jesus, there is a part of me that wonders if John the Baptist welcomed everyone this way. And that idea gets to the other great question I have about John the Baptist. What was it about John... That made him so magnetic. We know from scripture that John was dressed in an animal hair tunic with a leather belt around his waist eating wild honey way out there in the wilderness. Yet crowds of people made their way to hear him speak. That should surprise us. Because the Bible describes John the Baptist as though he were like any sidewalk end of the world preacher you've ever tried to avoid. He had a one-line sermon that would have fit on the panel of a cardboard box. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make way the way of the Lord. A modern paraphrase might be, repent, sinner, for the end is near. However, rather than crowds of people looking down at their shoes and hoping to make it past him and so that they can get on their way, People went out to the wilderness. People sought John the Baptist out to listen to him. Why? What was it about him? For not only was his message brief and gloomy, but John was also dressed worse than a sidewalk preacher in his tunic made of camel hair and a belt around his waist. Why would anyone listen to him when the chief chief priests in the city had these beautiful robes flowing and majestic? More than that, John just had the river and the priest had the temple. I don't imagine John even had a lectern to place his sermon notes upon while the priests in the city spoke from a place of authority in a beautiful building that took generations to complete. Outside the temple were money changers and animals to buy. Did John have a marketplace to help you make your sacrifice? Did John have great scrolls of wisdom to read out of? Why were these crowds of people going out of their way to hear what John had to say? I have only one guess. 
that just as John saw Jesus, so John would have seen you. So John would have seen me. There was something about John. His spiritual gift was speaking the truth, recognizing special people who walked up to him. And while Jesus is especially special, in the eyes of God, all people are special. However, few are the John the Baptist of the world who take the time to notice. John saw people. Have you ever been seen? Maybe you have, and that's a sensation that's hard to explain or describe. It's maybe easier to explain what it feels like to be ignored or mistaken, misunderstood or overlooked. Years ago when I was a seminary student just training to be a pastor, a friend and classmate of mine, Stephanie Coble, the two of us would go and substitute preach. Did you know that there's such a thing as a substitute preacher? When a pastor at a small church wanted to take a vacation, he could call the seminary and get the seminary to send down a student to fill the pulpit for the day. This was a great practice. This was great practice for seminary students. Plus, we could make a little bit of money. Stephanie and I divided up the service about the way that Cassie and I do. Sometimes I would preach and she would read the the liturgy. Sometimes she would preach and I would read the liturgy. But every time we would walk into these churches, the warm-hearted people who would show up around us and give us the bulletin would direct all their comments to me. Sometimes they'd hand me the bulletin and would walk me through the order of worship when Stephanie was the preacher. I would interrupt and suggest that they give her the instructions. Sometimes they would. Sometimes they'd just go on addressing me as the preacher and ignoring her. Have you ever felt ignored or mistaken, misunderstood or overlooked, undervalued, snubbed, slighted, disparaged, or ridiculed? These are bad feelings that maybe you have felt before. So on the other hand, I ask you, have you ever been seen? In our world today, it happens, and that feeling of being seen is a bright, warm light in a world that can sometimes feel so very cold. The places where we feel seen are so magnetic that I can imagine people leaving the city and streaming out to the riverside simply because the riverside was a special place. Special, not because the preacher dressed well or there was anything remarkable about the setting or the message. Special simply because in a world where we often feel mistaken, it feels so good to be seen. There's a song about a place where people feel seen that you'll probably recognize and invite you to join in with me in singing it just as soon as you recognize what I'm singing. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? 
All those nights when you've got no lights, the check is in the mail, and your little angel hung the cat up by its tail, and your third fiance didn't show. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows. My friends, what I've realized lately is that Cheers, a bar, has the perfect theme song for a church. For our church, maybe. For John the Baptist stood out by the riverside looking into the eyes of people watching them as they approached, calling them by name and offering them relief from the worries of the day. More than that, he preached a message assuring them that someone was coming, the Messiah himself who would change the world by toppling the powers that had dehumanized them. For in the eyes of the Messiah, all, everyone is precious. When the Messiah showed up, John the Baptist recognized him, saying, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, for he is the incarnation of the God who knows the number of hairs on your head, who knit you together in your mother's womb, who calls you precious and beloved, redeemed and forgiven, blessed and worthy of love. If only we, as a church, did this one small thing, looking into each other's eyes, calling each other by name, recognizing the miracle that we all are, would that not change the world? There's a painting downstairs that I've long walked past without noticing. It's a painting of a cavernous cathedral at night. You know it's at night because the only light is near the chancel up at the front where golden crosses glimmer and a pastor preaches in an illuminated pulpit. The light is at the front, save the light illuminating from Jesus who walks along, sneaks along the back row reaching out to touch the shoulder of a figure veiled in shadow. Too ashamed, too grief-stricken, too modest, too broken-hearted to sit with the rest of the congregation up at the front. How many members of that church walked right past this man without noticing him? But not Jesus. Jesus saw him. Jesus noticed Likewise, John saw people. John would have seen this man. But what about you? Would you have seen him? Would you dare to see the one veiled in shadow, honoring the example of the one who came onto earth to see you? Would you dare to make this church a place that feels more like cheers, where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came? And would you dare to believe that such a church would be a miracle. I've heard that there's a church in Atlanta 
that has a snow machine in the room where the youth group meets. I dare you to believe that there are members of that youth group who would rather be seen and heard than to stand under a snow machine. Likewise, I haven't heard it yet, but it is possible there is a church out there in this world who has a better choir than ours. I haven't heard it, but what if it existed? A church with a symphony every Sunday and soloists from the opera. Should such a church exist, I dare you to believe that there would be few sitters in that church who would rather hear the sound of their own name than a single note from that choir. Better sermons have been preached. Better liturgy has been written. Better technology exists than the technology that we have. Better facilities have been built. There are churches in this world who have better stuff than we do. There are places in this world where they make bigger promises. Certainly, if you are looking to be entertained, you are in the wrong place this morning. If you are looking for, for a place where you can cheer for the winning team, you're in the wrong place, for we barely clap in here. You can't cheer in a Presbyterian church. <laughs> However, those who walk into the great coliseums and arenas and theaters of this world will be treated more like cattle than people. While my hope for every person who ever walks through our doors is that they will be recognized, called by name, and understood. My friends, all people just want to be seen. Will you see them? Will you slow down long enough to see? Will you take the time to remember their names and to call them by it? Will you dare to believe that doing so will make a difference? Tomorrow, we'll celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who had a grand dream of racial equality. And I want you all to know that I have a dream, too. I dream that our church will be more like a bar called Cheers. That we will all see the person who's sitting beside us. That we will make this place one where everybody knows your name and we will always be glad that you came. For God is glad that you are here. I am glad that you are here. So must we all be. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia. Or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.